going to ask our sister Hannah to come and sing to us. After that, we welcome our brother, the guest preacher, the Reverend Nathan McVeigh, and we'll ask our brother to come and bring the word of God. We do thank your minister, the Reverend Dean, for the very warm words of welcome and, of course, for the invitation to come uh, this Lord's Day evening for your harvest services. We're glad to be here. Uh, it's a privilege and a joy to be able to renew fellowship uh, with you. It's been a couple of years since I've been uh, in Crossgar. I was at the Reverend Backhurst uh, ordination before he went out 
uh, to Canada. So uh, however many years that uh, was ago, everything seems to be a blink of an eye uh, since COVID. But we're glad to be able to be here this evening and to renew fellowship uh, with you all. We're going to turn in God's Word this evening to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, we're going to commence our reading at the verse uh, number 4. My voice started to play up a little bit earlier on. Uh, at our mission this afternoon, so I'm hoping it holds out uh, for tonight and uh, doesn't give up halfway through uh, our message this evening, but we're trusting in the Lord uh, to give help tonight. But Luke chapter 8, commencing at the verse number 4, and uh, this will be, I'm sure, a well-known portion of Scripture uh, to many, if not all, uh, gathered into the house of the Lord this evening. Luke chapter 8 and the verse number 4. And God's word says, and when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up, and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth, and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. But that on the good ground are they, which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Amen. We'll end our reading there at the verse 15, and we trust the Lord will bless the reading of his word to our hearts. We'll just unite together in a brief word of prayer this evening as we come to the word of the Lord asking for his help tonight that he would have a word in season for all of us gathered in the Lord's house this evening. Let us pray. Our eternal heavenly Father, we do indeed thank thee for the great privilege and joy that it is to be found in the house of the Lord this evening. We thank thee already for the blessing that thou has given to our souls. We thank thee, O God, even for the blessing through the ministry and song of our sister. We thank thee, Father, for the great joy and privilege it is to be able to come and to sing praises and worship unto thee. Father, we thank thee now that we come to the open word of the living God. We praise thee tonight for the liberty and the freedom that we have. We thank thee, Father, for thy grace and for thy mercy that finds us here. For we know that left to our own devices, we would be far from thee. We would be far from the house of God. We'd be far from the word of God tonight. But Father, we rejoice and we thank thee that thou hast brought us here together this evening. Bless the uh, preaching of thy truth as it would go forward, we plead tonight. We ask, O God, that thou would be pleased to take 
that precious seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and thou would plant it into hearts. And if there be any that be gathered in our midst or even watching online, that know thee not as their own impersonal Savior, that even tonight they would cry out that plea of the sinner, Lord, be merciful to me. Father, we thank thee for the great promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Give help to this preacher, we pray. Empty me of self and of sin. Fill me full of God, the Holy Ghost. Anoint me, O God, we plead. And may we glorify thy name in the preaching of thy precious and holy truth. For it's in Christ's precious and worthy name we ask. Amen. There are many different portions of Scripture that we turn to at this uh, time of the year and that we could turn to uh, this evening that focus on the theme of the harvest. And in fact, throughout his earthly ministry, uh, the Savior often did the same himself. He took the theme of the harvest or he took the theme of farming in some form or shape and he used it to teach some great spiritual uh, truths. The portion we've read this evening is certainly no exception. It's a parable of our Savior, the parable of the soil. Now, you may have heard this parable being called uh, something else, maybe the parable of the sower, maybe uh, the parable of the seed, or the parable uh, even of the farmer. But I think, as I trust we will see uh, tonight, that probably the most appropriate title is the parable of the soil. Because really this parable isn't one that focuses on the sower. It's not even one that focuses on the seed as vital and as important that is, as we will consider uh, this evening. But really it focuses on the soil. It focuses on the type of ground that the seed that was scattered reached. It focuses on those different types of ground that that seed landed upon. And tonight we want to look at that soil and we want to take some lessons that we have from the soil in the parable. This parable that Jesus told, it's recorded here in Luke. It's also recorded for us in Matthew 13 and in Mark chapter 4. And it would have been a very familiar scene to those that Christ would have been dealing with here as he spoke the parable. In fact, they stood here on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, maybe where they were standing. Perhaps they would have seen a scene just unfolding before them, just as Christ described here in this parable, a scene of a sower or a farmer that was scattering the seed across the field. And it wasn't a difficult story or a difficult image for Christ's hearers to have in their mind. They would have been familiar with this scene. They would have been familiar uh, uh, thinking about the imagery that Christ here was dealing with. It would have been familiar to his hearers. Oh, if we were like we are today, only accustomed to a world of of pavements and concrete and everything that is green is getting built on. And and maybe if we're not familiar with farming at all, this wouldn't have been all too a familiar scene. But in the days of Christ, and particularly to his hearers here as he stood there on the shores of Galilee, as he spoke this parable, this was a very familiar scene indeed. Fields at this time in Israel, in the time that Christ walked on this earth, they were long at narrow strips of ground, they would have been marked off. They would have been surrounded by footpaths or by some sort of path that would have been used for transportation. There would have been uh, not the hedges like the likes we would have had today or fences that would have marked the boundaries, but some sort of trodden path that went round these strips of land. And that's the scene that Christ is setting here. It's not the field that we would think of it maybe uh, today. 
But it was these fields that were surrounded by these footpaths, these well-trampled and trodden paths, and it was a familiar sight to behold. The sower, the farmer, who was tasked with tending to that field, that strip of land, he would have used uh, what was called the broadcasting method to sow the seed. He would have taken a handful of seed at a time, uh, maybe out of a pouch or some uh, sort of uh, satchel that he was carrying, and he would have thrown as far as he could the seed across the land. And he would have tried to get that seed to cover as wide and as large an area in one swoop as he could. And it was a very productive method. It was a very efficient method in that particular time. Of course, they didn't have all the machinery that we have today. They didn't have all the help and the assistance uh, with mechanical devices and technology uh, that would be in place today. Uh, But they did it by hand. And they would have been very skilled. They would have known what they were doing. They would have been very used uh, to carrying out this type of work. And the desire that they had was that no seed would be wasted, that there would not be piles that would gather up in the land or in the fields, but they perfected really their technique to see that seed cover the field as evenly and as far as was humanly possible. Of course, the whole purpose was for a productive harvest. Nothing was to be left uncovered. But naturally, given the lie of the land and the paths that were at the very edges of the field, it would have been really impossible, especially to cover the edges of the field, without some seed falling outside the field of the farmer. Even seed that was thrown within the perimeter, it might have fallen outside the boundary. It might have fallen upon land that was not intended, land that was not ideal for the producing of fruit. And then, of course, you had others that landed on the good soil, the fertile land that was found in the field. And that's the imagery that Christ is painting here. It's very simple imagery. And even tonight, as we think about what Christ is speaking here, we have a very clear and simple idea in our minds of what Christ was illustrating, what was taking place in this parable of the soils. Now, as we've said already, the main focus of the parable is the soil. But there are other factors that must be considered here that we should not dismiss tonight as we come to think about what Christ is saying. Of course, we have the seed that we've mentioned already. Christ himself, as he explains this parable in verse 11, he tells us, now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. And as Christ was uh, giving this imagery, as he was making this illustration to those that were hearing, of course, there was a great spiritual lesson. And he's teaching us here that this seed that he speaks of, it was representing the word of God. It was a representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there is this imagery here of the gospel message being scattered as far and as wide as was possible. That's the picture that Christ is painting. It's not the only time that God's word is referred to as seed in the word of God. 1 Peter 1, verse 23, Omer tells us, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is, is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Think of that well-known psalm, Psalm 126. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth 
and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall countless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him, going forth with the precious seed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then we also have the sower mentioned. And the sower is those who proclaim the word of God, those who, whether by preaching or uh, some sort of evangelism or whatever it might be, who are seeking to spread the message of the gospel. They are like the sower here who is grasping the seed in their hand and they are casting it as far and as wide as they can. One commentator said the sower is whoever disperses God's word or the gospel message. That's certainly the case here in this parable of Jesus Christ. But the whole purpose, the whole point, the very central issue of this parable here really focuses on the different types of soil, the different ground that the seed lands on. You see, as we preach the gospel message, as the word of the Lord goes forth in this land and indeed right across the world, there are some who receive the message gladly. There are those that turn from their sin. They accept Christ as their own and personal Savior. And yet at the same time, with the same message, there are those that reject it. There are those that do not bring forth any fruit because the soil is different. The ground upon which the seed lands is different. That's what Christ is teaching here. The receiving of the soil or of the seed in the soil. There's a different reception as the word of God moves from heart to heart. And so this evening, looking at this parable, we want to consider the different types of soil and what they mean here. Firstly, there's the roadside Soil. Look at verse number 5. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. Some seed fell by the roadside soil. It fell by the wayside. This wayside were those well-trodden footpaths, those paths that marked the boundaries of those strips of land. They marked the border. And as the sower spread the seed at the end of the field, some of the seed fell upon that path. Soil, of course, in these footpaths was not prepared. It wasn't plowed. It wasn't ready for the sowing or the planting of the seed. And in the hot climate experienced by Israel, when those paths were dry, they would have become as hard as concrete. They were solid. Seed that landed on such ground then would have had no hope. No hope of penetrating the ground to get into the deep depths of the soil. No hope of penetrating the hard surface of the footpath. And it would lie there and it would either be trampled upon by those that walked past or the birds would come and they would take the seed and carry it away. What does it mean in terms of the sowing of the gospel? Well, Christ explains what it means in verse number 12. When he said, those by the wayside are they that hear... Then cometh the devil and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. And this roadside soil, it is a picture of a heart that is closed to the message of the gospel. A heart that has no time, a heart that has no place, a heart that has no appetite for the things of God. It is the most hopeless condition that a heart can find itself in. Just as this ground was the most hopeless ground for the sowing and the planting of the seed. And so too is the heart that is as hard as concrete, a heart 
that is turned off from the things of God, a heart that has no time for the gospel message, it is a most hopeless condition that you could be in this evening. To have a heart closed to the message of Christ, a heart closed to the grace of God. And I wonder tonight, is that the case with you? Have you a hardened heart? Have you a heart closed to the message of the gospel? Have you a heart closed to the things of God? Maybe you've been confronted with the gospel time and time again. Maybe you sit weekly under the faithful preaching of God's word and yet time and time again you say, I don't want anything to do with Christ. I don't want anything to do with the gospel message. If that's you tonight, you're in a hopeless condition. God's word tells us the fool said in his heart, there is no God. And tonight you're rejecting Christ. Rejecting the only door to heaven, the only remedy for your soul. The only means whereby you can know forgiveness of sins and peace and reconciliation to God. And you've shut the door to Christ and you've hardened your heart. Your unbelief, your sin has made your heart hard like this roadside soil and the seed of the gospel cannot penetrate. It's not a place of truth and light. Your heart's a place of sin and darkness. You're hopeless. You're spiritually dead this evening. And Christ explains here that those who are like the roadside soil are those who hear the gospel. They hear the word of God, but the devil comes and he takes away the word because there's no desire that they might be saved and trust in Christ. You see, the whole purpose of the gospel seed going forth, the whole reason why the gospel is preached, is that precious souls might be saved. We proclaim the message of the gospel. Your minister here proclaims the message of the gospel with that desire for souls to be saved, and yet many have hardened their hearts. And tonight's scripture reminds us that that's the state into which we're all born, born in sin, shaped in iniquity, with a heart closed to God, with a heart that is as hard as this roadside soil. And tonight you hear the gospel and yet you've hardened your hearts to the things of God and you're in a hopeless situation. You've closed your life to the gospel. You've closed your life to the Savior. And you're heading to that lost sinner's hell as a result of your sin and the hardness of your heart. And the devil is snatching the word from you. And you're trampling over it under your feet as the seed would have been trampled over. And and Satan is trying to confuse you. He's trying to put you off the the great work of salvation. And and tonight you're stubborn to the things of God and you're hardened your heart. Oh dear friend, the message of the gospel tells you to harden not your heart. Repent of your sin. Come to Christ this evening. Trust in him for the salvation of your souls. The only way that you can be set free from your sin, set free from eternal punishment, set free from the bondage of sin, set free from the hardness of your heart. Come to Jesus Christ tonight, the roadside soil. The second type of soil here is the rocky soil. Look at verse number 6 of Luke chapter 8. It tells us, And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. This ground here that Christ is describing is that which has a rock bed under the surface of the field. And that rock bed is covered with a layer of what appears to be good soil on the top of the surface. The underlying rock would not have been visible 
to the farmer. And so in the field it was ploughed, all he would see was the good soil on the surface. And such a shallow layer of soil would not have been deep enough to hold the nutrients and the moisture that was required to sustain the growth of the seed, especially in the hot climate. And so in this type of soil, the seed would go in, it would begin to germinate and grow. However, almost as soon as it begins to look lush and healthy and that it's going to be productive and and something that's going to bear fruit, it will quickly waste away because it lacks the moisture that it needs from the soil. The roots cannot grow beyond the layer of the rock. And so for a while, the crop might look good. It might look that it's going somewhere, but all too quickly it will die as quickly as it began to grow. Christ explained what it meant. Look in verse 13. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe, and in the time of temptation fall away. You see, there are those who receive the message of the gospel. They believe it to be true. It will fill them with some sense of joy and excitement even. Maybe they will make some commitment to follow Christ, some commitment to do something with their life, but before too long they will forget the things of the gospel. They will return to the ways of the world as if they had never received the message of the gospel at all. They will quickly fall away. You see, they are those that had no root. They are those that had no firm firm foundation in the things of Christ. Oh yes, in the outward appearance all looked well. Looked like they had accepted the gospel. Looked like they were going on with the Savior. For a short time they behaved like a Christian, but then temptation, temptation came and they fell away. They went back to their old way of living. They went back to the old ways that they had before they heard the gospel. And many were never truly saved at all. They hadn't trusted in Christ for salvation. Oh, they made an outward profession. They made a show. They made a commitment because the gospel made them feel good. And of course, we have that right across many false religions today, especially the charismatic movement. And there are those that will make false professions of faith. There are those that will make a commitment, but very quickly, because there's no root and there's no firm foundation, they will fall away. I wonder, does that describe you this evening? Dear friend, maybe you believe the gospel. Maybe at one time it brought you a great amount of joy and excitement, knowing that you can have your sins forgiven, but yet if you search your heart tonight, you know you've never truly trusted Christ. You've never truly repented of your sin. You maybe look like a Christian. You maybe behave in many ways like a Christian should behave. Maybe you come to church, you say the right things. You behave in the right manner. But deep down tonight in your heart of hearts, you know that you've never taken Christ as your Savior. One commentator said, The soil spread thinly over a layer of rock illustrates a shallow-hearted person who responds immediately but only superficially maybe there's one here tonight and you've responded to the gospel message before maybe it was just to satisfy your conscience maybe it was because those around you were making commitments also 
Maybe it was to satisfy those that invited you to the meetings. Maybe for some other reason you, you proclaimed to take Christ as your Savior. But deep down, there is no root to your faith. Deep down, you've never truly trusted in Christ and your profession was merely superficial. Don't enter God's eternity with a superficial profession of faith. You'll be lost forever. Don't go another moment depending on a false profession of faith that was made many years ago, but truly you know you've never trusted Christ. Get the matter settled tonight. Repent of your sin. Come and make more than a commitment or a profession to the Savior, but tonight rest the eternity of your soul into the keeping and in the care of Christ, the one who has died to save us from our sin. The third place we have here what... I've entitled the riddled soil. The riddled soil. Look at verse 7. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. This is ground that was riddled with thorns and, and weeds. Thorns and thistles and weeds, they are useless for agricultural purposes. In fact, they're very harmful to crops because they can take over the field and begin to choke everything else. And as such, seeds that are grown in a field of weeds, seeds that are grown alongside the thorns, they will never mature into a healthy harvest. Even when a field of weeds is plowed, many more new weeds will begin to grow. It might appear like you're getting somewhere uh, that the weeds have been dealt with and you've sorted them out, but before too long, those weeds will start to rear their heads again. Seemingly out of nowhere, seemingly out of nothing. But from the remnants of anything that was left, the old weeds, new weeds, will begin to go, grow. If anyone has done any gardening whatsoever, you will know that it appears a lot easier to grow weeds than it does the plants and the flowers. That's all I seem to be able to grow weeds. I can't grow any plants or I can't keep them alive anyway. And it's hard to keep the weeds away. And of course, that in itself is a very result of the curse of sin. Weeds began to grow. They earth began to be corrupt as a result of sin. And those weeds, they soak up the soil's moisture, they drain out the nutrients, they block the sunlight from the crops, and they choke the life out of everything that is planted among them. What does Christ explain this type of soul, soil is meaning in terms of spiritual matters? Look at verse 14. That which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Too focused on the things of the world. Seem to respond positively to the message of the gospel. Maybe just like we thought about the rocky soil, show some signs of believing the gospel, some maybe sort of growth, but before too long the sin of the world and the lusts of the heart and the corruption of the soul they begin to show their true colors. They begin to choke the good seed that was planted in the heart. And this is the picture of one who is too much in love with the things of the world, too focused on the riches and the pleasures and the lusts of this life. They place too high a value on the sinful pleasures and ambitions of this life, too focused on money and material possessions, too focused on career uh, progression. These are the things that occupy their heart and their mind and the word of God that had been planted there. It's soon forgotten and it's choked. 
wonder does that describe you this evening? Dear friend, is it the love of money that is hindering you from coming to Christ? Is it a desire for material possessions of this world? What's holding you back from coming to the Savior? What's choking that good seed? What is holding you back from repenting of your sin and coming to Christ, the only one that can save you this evening? Is it the case you don't want to give up the things of the world? The case you don't want to give up those pleasures and those lusts? You don't want to give up the sin? Oh, the pleasures of the world are here but for a season, but your soul is eternal. Your soul is eternal. You cannot take your riches. You cannot take your possessions with you when you die. The only thing you will take is your soul. And I wonder tonight as you stand before God in this meeting, where would it be? Where will your soul spend eternity? Will it be the case that you will gain the whole world, all this world could offer, and yet lose your own soul? Will you be choked by the things of the world? Will you get so caught up in the pleasures and the loss of the flesh that you neglect the eternal condition of your soul? Oh, do not focus on the things of the world. Do not focus on those things that are temporal. Do not focus on those things that are passing by. But think about your eternal soul tonight. Think about where you will spend eternity. What you do with Christ tonight is what matters. Not what money you have in the bank. Not what career you have. Not what pleasure and fun you have in this scene of time. Not ticking off things on your bucket list, but what is done with Christ. That's what matters this evening. I wonder if you've taken him as your own and personal saviour. The roadside soil, the rocky soil, the riddled soil. Then fourthly and finally, here's the ready soil. The ready soil. You see, there's a soil that is ready to receive the seed. Look at verse number 8. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears, ears to hear, let him hear. Seed that lands in the ploughed field flourishes. That soil that has been prepared, the seed can get down into the depths of the soil. Its roots will penetrate deeply. That soil that is clean and pure, that soil where there's no weeds within it, no feet to trample upon it, no birds to steal away the seed, a soil that is rich in nutrients and moisture, it will produce an abundant crop. Christ there says in verse 8 that it will bear fruit a hundredfold. There will be an abundant supply of fruit. What does it mean? Look at what Christ says in verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart having heard the word keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. The good soil. This is the heart that is prepared to receive Jesus Christ as their own and personal Savior. One who hears the message of the gospel. One who being convicted of their sin through the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the moving of the Spirit of God in their hearts responds to the gospel message by repenting of their sin and coming to Jesus Christ. This is the one who goes on with Christ, the one who after trusting in Christ for salvation surrenders their life to him. 
They take up their cross. They become a disciple of the Savior. They serve him until the day they leave this scene of time and go to be with him in heaven for all eternity. This isn't a temporary faith. It isn't a superficial faith. It's not something done in the spare or the heat of a moment. It's not something that is done in the midst of emotion and hype and the stirring up of the emotions, but a true, lasting, enduring faith in Jesus Christ. That's the soul who's truly saved. I wonder, dear friend, which are you this evening? As the gospel seed is scattered forth even in this place tonight and as is scattered forth across the land and maybe into your heart time and time again, which soil are you? How will you respond to the message of the gospel as you're invited to repent of your sin and to come unto Christ to be saved? How will you respond? Are you like that roadside soil? Are you so hard to the gospel? No time for the things of God. A heart that is hardened. A heart that is heading to a lost sinner's hell. Maybe you're the rocky soil. You have a faith that has no real root. No firm foundation. Just superficial. Maybe you're like that riddled soil. You're so focused on the things of the world. And the pleasures and the lusts of the flesh. That you have no time for the things of God. Are you like the ready soil this evening, the good soil? Are you prepared to hearing the invitation of the gospel to confess your sin before God the Heavenly Father, to come through Jesus Christ, repenting of your wickedness and your sin and how you've grieved the Lord and are you willing to cast your life upon Jesus Christ? You're prepared to surrender your all to him, leaving behind the sin, leaving behind the pleasures, leaving behind the lusts of the flesh. You're prepared to place all upon the altar for Jesus Christ. Oh, I trust tonight that your heart would be that heart that is prepared by the Spirit of God and that you would not reject the gospel message, that you would not go back into the ways and the things of the world, but that you would take that precious seed, that it would grip your heart and your soul tonight, that you would flee from the wrath that is to come and trust in Jesus Christ for the salvation of your precious never-dying soul. We trust the Lord will bless his word to our hearts this evening. We'll bow our, our hearts and our heads in a moment of prayer as we bring our time in the gospel tonight to a close. Heavenly Father, we thank thee for this parable that has been taught to us by the Savior. We thank thee for the clear picture and illustration it is of the going forth of the gospel seed. Father, we rejoice that we have a gospel to bring. We thank thee for that precious seed that has been placed in the care and responsibility of thy people. Father, we thank thee that we go forth not with the notion of man, not with the ideas of a church or a denomination but father we go forth bearing precious seed we thank thee for the message of the gospel that christ came to seek and to save the lost and father we pray tonight that as the seed is scattered abroad this nation that it would find that good soil it will find those hearts that have been prepared by thee and that there would be many souls that would repent of their sin and trust in jesus christ as their own and personal Savior. May it be so even in this place tonight. 
one who is still in their sin, maybe made a superficial profession. Father, we pray tonight that they would come and get the matter settled with thee and take thee and trust thee as their own and personal Savior. We thank thee for time spent in thy house and in thy word. Part us now for thy blessing. Bring us to your homes in safety and be with us throughout this week and until we would gather again. For it's in Christ's precious and worthy name we ask. Amen.